nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn. Borodal Pal, Chrysoi Abatel, we had a one. Welcome to Swansea, Twilight Show with me, Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tonight we are talking trauma-informed classroom design. We're joined by head teacher Dr. Claire Campbell, who's redesigning her school spaces to be trauma-informed, and Shahana Knight, creator of the Therapeutic Classrooms Approach. What's in, what's out, what best supports our vulnerable learners? Off we go. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome to Swansea. Welcome to the Twilight Show with me, Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Now, I did mention in the introduction now that I think I put too many words in uh, to fit it all in at the time. Uh, we're talking about trauma-informed classroom design. Now, I see we've got a caller on the line already, so I'm just going to check in and find out which of our guests it is. Hi, can you hear me? Hi, yes, it's Claire. Oh, hi. You know, sometimes I say this all the time to people who are listening back, they don't get to see the live studio um, if they're not in Podbean. When they're listening to it back as a podcast, they get a bit confused at this point because sometimes it generates <coughs> automatic uh, usernames. Uh, and so I do get like a little bit to have to check in. So welcome to Teachers Talk Radio, Claire. Oh, thank you. Um, and, I, oh, and I did say in the introduction there, we're going to be talking about... Um, trauma-informed classroom spaces I guess is the best way to do it and we're hoping maybe that we might have someone else joining us as well yes fantastic Shahana yep so um yeah and uh as I said in the introduction there from TPC therapy uh, creator of the therapeutic classrooms approach um and we will whiz through but while we're getting sort of settled and started into it um why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself where you're from what it is you do Hi, I'm Claire. I'm the head teacher of St. Charles Primary School in Salford and um, I've been head there for about 10 years now. I've been a teacher for 22 years, um, head for 15 of those years and my doctorate is in art therapy and my master's is in special educational needs. So I feel like the trauma-informed stuff is just really combines kind of all my skill set and uh, yeah, I've been enjoying um transforming our classrooms into therapeutic classrooms okay and you know you've talked about you know an amazing career there so far but over a period of time you know while we're talking about it what were classrooms like when you first you know in your nqt when you first started teaching have they changed much yeah but you know what they've not changed that much so um yeah i think if you do what you always did you get what you always got so I still see the same things that I used to see 22 years ago when I started teaching in classrooms and I just don't understand why. <laughs> so things like children's trays. I mean, every single primary classroom has got a bed of children's trays in it, right? Yeah. But why? 
when you oh. look inside them what have they got in them there's like maybe a few worksheets a half-eaten sandwich maybe a conker a stone you know our children they don't really need them they don't really use them for anything and actually once we removed all of the unnecessary furniture the filing cabinets things that aren't to do with children from our classrooms we actually just found we had so much more space um <laughs> yeah and I, I guess we'll talk about that you know maybe a little bit later on about mm. the the um you know um what's in a classroom you know this word you know it's always been done that way or um and, and also some of the um the other bits and pieces around cost because I always yeah. do I remember you know being left many times with a classroom and the furniture was the furniture because that was the furniture we couldn't afford any <laughs> yeah. more furniture um so we'll talk about that a little bit mm. later for people listening um now the other bit that i wanted to kind of get out of the way at the start is we have said trauma-informed trauma-informed mm-hmm. classrooms a little bit and it is a word that gets used a lot i don't want to necessarily label it a buzzword but certainly we hear it a lot more days so um maybe what is your take on it if we kind of you know what do you mean when we start talking trauma-informed yeah so basically since the pandemic I think all of our children coming back to school who were in lockdown or they might have had like stressful situations if their parents were out of work or you know they might have lost loved ones there's certainly a lot of bereavement I mean my particular school we've had um 12 of our children have lost loved ones and seven of our staff including myself have lost loved ones to covid Mm -hmm. so i think it's a period like the whole country is is coming out of of trauma and actually when you go through trauma and i went through childhood trauma myself you have all your choices taken away from you so if you're bereaved young um like my mom died when i was in reception class so Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you're bereaved young, then you are traumatized and you have all your choices taken away from you. So I feel that trauma informed learning and um, certainly therapeutic classrooms, what they try to do is to give the child their choices back every lesson and every day. And um, so to me, that's uh, that's what trauma informed is about. It's about reflecting children's trauma and actually you know doing something about it not just ignoring it and plowing on with the same old furniture the same old classroom layout the same old classroom management that we used to have because actually coming back from covid we need something different it's it's time for for a change and a shift in education yeah and i think it's probably very hard for people as well to um you know not only talk about these things and i you know i would relate to some of the changes that have happened that I you know I went to an open evening for one of my children who's in year one and 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 when I was there I realized that I hadn't actually spoken to uh the class teacher yet about some of the things that have happened sort of in our lives through COVID and such like that you know probably are well almost certainly I I think most people would say you know will have effect an effect on him or certainly so you know it's very easy for us in in all situations I guess to say um you know oh these schools need to do trauma informed or this type of area there's lots of trauma but you know how do you see that are you an area of high deprivation or is it despite that that you're taking this approach yeah our school is a bit of a school of two halves so we do have um some children who live in like nice 
houses, you know, nice leafy yeah. kind of suburb. But the other half, um, we if we serve quite a large uh, council estate, and you know, there's there's a very increasing number of children who are on free school meals, who are looked after, who are on the special needs register. We have really high numbers of SEN children. Um, and for some SEN children, you know, the classroom isn't multi-sensory. It's not set up to support them the way that a cosy home environment was. And some of our special needs children actually thrived during lockdown because they were given that individual one-to-one -one attention if the parents, you know, were maybe furloughed and had the time. Um, and actually, they often have, you know, their bedrooms are kind of... Uh, trauma-informed bedrooms they might have tactile you know sheets they might have tactile rugs on the floor they might have low lighting they might have comfortable places to sit comfortable places to work and yet we put them back into our classrooms and they're very institutional there's you know uncomfortable plastic chairs uncomfortable rectangular tables that are that on adjustable heights you know and I really feel like it's it's time to actually think about what the children need and create a home from home. And some of our children, I did a lot of home visits during COVID, obviously drop, kind of dropping off food parcels for families, dropping off work packs for children. And so I saw firsthand the difference in in our children's home so you know i was dropping off to some some nice lovely houses three bedroom houses whatever and then i was also dropping off to multiple children in tiny flats and you know crammed in with no outdoor space so the lockdown was very different for for our community and coming back into school it's about trying to create a home from home in our classrooms but actually we know that some of our children don't experience a kind of this space in their home. So if, they, if they've got, you know, a lot of people living under one roof, they might not experience that sitting down at a dining table to chat. So what we wanted to do was introduce places in our classrooms where we could have dining tables, we could have, you know, independent individual tables with low lighting and tactile materials, rugs and throws and pillows so that children can choose where they want to go and where they feel comfortable and where they feel safe because we want the classroom to feel like a safe and secure space for them. Yeah, and I, you know, when I think about some of the pictures that I have seen of, of some of the classrooms designed this way and some of your own classrooms, I, you know, what really struck me was that the different spaces within it, I really, you know, that was something that kind of took to me that, yeah, you're right, you know, actually we're, the uniformality of education sometimes where it is, everyone in the same size chair the same color chair at the mm -hmm. same size tables um you know that that kind of struck me that that might not work for everyone now when we um sort of uh this is the hardest part i guess of you we've got kind of a little bit of an idea about yourself now um mm -hmm. and, and where you're coming from but can you try for us to sort of describe your school what what it is you're aiming for if i'm a visitor sort of walking into the front doors what is what's catching my eye what's drawing my attention what are you hoping sort of as i tour the school so what i what i really want you to see is happy children working purposefully and enjoying their learning and we're a catholic school so obviously we we um really celebrate our faith so we'd expect you to see 
worship spaces and we'd expect it to be very welcoming um but yeah comfortable and kind of a home from home that's that's what we're aiming towards is is creating a, a secure feeling of home and I certainly know you know I've studied I studied I, I continue to study you know I, I'm a constantly learning I'm a lifelong learner and I know that sometimes I'll want to just sit on my sofa and study or with my laptop on my knee or sometimes I'll want to you know sit on the bed I want I might want to sit at the dining table spread my things out and actually children need to know that, that that's okay too and and they can choose where they want to sit and they can choose how they want to learn and which lesson it might be they might be more distracted so they might want to sit in and face the window because we've got a, a we're very fortunate to have a lovely garden lovely forest school space that our classrooms look out onto so for children who are quite easily distracted it might be that they want to focus on the outside they don't want to look kind of facing into the classroom they want to, might want to face out of the classroom and um and actually it's about learners taking responsibility and knowing themselves and knowing where I will learn best in this particular lesson. And it, like I said before, it's all about those choices, giving them their choices back. Yeah, you know, I, I, I find it really interesting, this kind of uh, sort of shift, the pupil voice, I guess it's sometimes called, or, or, child, or child-led learning or ch- child's um, choice. Um, you know, I'm skating all over sort of different questions at the moment as they, as they popped to my head. And I know I did kind of give you a rough idea, mm-hmm. but you know, was this a big change for you when you started doing this? Was it sort of a, you know, a, a, a sudden movement? Had you been creeping this way for a while as a school and then then sort of took the plunge? Or was it a kind of moment of, of clarity and realisation? Yeah, a little bit of both. I mean, we we have always responded to what our children need. And actually, a few years ago, when I was a new head at the, at the school, um, we did our first exclusion, which was absolutely heartbreaking because you never, ever want to exclude a child. And the reason behind that was because there was a massive waiting list for bereavement services. And the child was, you know, really struggling with a, a bereavement that had happened. And they we could not get we were banging on the door of the council we were banging on the door of the services and we couldn't get what we needed and it ended up with coming kind of coming to a head and the the only the only route we we could see was it was exclusion and you know i swore to myself at that time i was like i i never want this to happen again so and because we weren't getting what we needed we had to kind of put the provision in ourselves so what I did was I got I employed um, an art therapist part-time art therapist and we created an art therapy studio to work with particularly children who are at risk of exclusion so that's been open since 2014 and it's been really successful we've had probably over about 130 children through our doors from 16 different primaries and five different high schools they refer in and none of these children like none of the 130 children have been excluded mm. so they come to work in the art therapy studio with the art therapist for an hour a week and they stay all year and sometimes they're re-referred for a second year and it's just whatever they need so <clears throat> we've always been quite responsive to what the children need but i think this 
trauma-informed um, the, and the therapeutic classrooms came about when I went to a heads conference and at heads conferences, you know, you always get the kind of same trade stands. So you've got your health and safety stands and your children's resources and your book stands. But actually there was one stand that really caught my eye and it was Shahana Knight from TPC Therapy. And Shahana's stall had a video, just a video of the most beautiful classroom that I'd ever seen. And she started talking to me about how she was a play therapist and she managed a mental health service and she was using her expertise to redesign and transform classrooms. And it really caught my eye. And so obviously I took her number and I wanted to go and see firsthand. I wanted to go and see for myself what this, where this classroom was, what it looked like, how, how it worked. So I took my year six teacher because we knew we wanted to start with year six and kind of cascade that down throughout the school. So I took my year six teacher with me to Shevington Vale and we met Shahana there and the head teacher, Andy Horton. And again, we were just blown away by how amazing it looked and how the children had responded so well to it. Um, and how did the, the, the teachers respond? Because, you know, one of the things I've, I've often heard and, you know, in some approaches, I, I put some of these elements into my own work is that, it, it you know, it takes a, maybe a slight leap. A, a, has it changed the way they teach as it changed yeah. the way they approach things it's a little yeah it is a bit of a leap because it's it's very different you know it's not your bog standard classroom that you'd see up and down the country with like displays on the walls there are no displays and I, you know i'm an artist and i was found was really shocked to hear that there were no displays but actually there's still art there's plenty of art that goes on it's just in children's sketchbooks or it's it's framed and it's on the wall because the theory behind it is if you wouldn't have it in your house don't have it in your classroom we're creating a home from home so and you know I've used working walls for years and years in education and actually why why do we need them do children look at them are they useful what we do is we do all the work that would go in the learning in a, on a learning wall in the children's books so the children use their books as a resource more and a lot of it just becomes wallpaper and it can look they can look scruffy displays need changing and actually my teachers have responded to it really well because it cuts their workload because mm. they're not constantly changing displays or changing learning walls and things like that um, and we've not missed them. I really thought we'd miss them, but we haven't. And we still have a beautiful school hall where there's tons of children's work. So children's work is on display everywhere in our school, just not in the classroom. And saved a lot of money on backing paper and borders. I oh, of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we, we, what we do have um, is framed photo walls. So each oh, wow. child is represented. Uh, they've got black and white photos and black and white clip frames are really cheap, simple to get from Ikea. But they, they look great. And, you know, the children have got ownership of the space. As I said, we're a Catholic school, so it was really important for us to have, we have class altars, so obviously we still have those. Um, but it's rather than have loads of clashing colours, we just pick a really simple colour palette and stick to it. And actually, for our children with um, autism, our children with ADHD, children with, um, you know, who have, lots of SEN difficulties that may be comorbid um 
it really helps lessen the distractions and helps them concentrate more on their learning, which is great. So if I'm sort of stood in, in, in a classroom, then there's there's no none of those sort of classic, typical sort of displays of, you know, blue backing paper nope. with, with <laughs> none of that. OK, so I'm looking around the walls um, and are you still sort of using interactive whiteboards, projectors and those things at the front yeah, of the class? And... Yeah, of course, we still still need those for, uh, you know, our, our lessons. But when they're not in use, they are we either have like a, a forest um seen on there because we, we've gone for like a what we wanted to do is to bring the outdoors in because we know how calming it is for the children to be in the outdoors and how good it is for your mental health so it's kind of tied in with a lot of our forest school work and our outdoor learning work um so yeah we'd have like a rainforest image or we'd have you know a waterfall or some meditation music or whatever using the whiteboard for that and obviously in the winter it's coming to where as the weather's getting colder we'd probably have like a roaring fire on the interactive whiteboard so to create that home from home feel but it's not always used you know and we're we're all about sustainability and saving energy so it's not always used so sometimes it's it's just off and actually it's you the furniture and the classroom doesn't prepare the children for the next steps in education that's what the teacher does that's what the teacher's for so all of that learning is still going ahead you know and and when we went to visit um Andy and his teacher in Shevington Vale they've done they did their year three classroom you know it was just a normal lesson but children were responding to where they wanted to sit who they wanted to sit next to making their own choices and it creates more independent learners which is lovely and it, it's definitely got a calmer feel about it and now uh, there may be teachers listening, head teachers or, or middle leaders listening. Um, how fortunate are you? Because I, we all are to different levels, uh, fortunate or not, with our school premises and our school buildings. Um, were you already sort of um, off to a good start? Are you an old build, a new build, large windows? What's your, your school facilities like from that point of view? Yeah, well, we're we're kind of um, we're almost like a bungalow. We're 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 a one one floor. Uh, we're a sixties build, so it's not yeah, yeah. Uh, brilliant. <laughs> um, it's you know we do we are fortunate with some of our classrooms have like nice big windows, high ceilings. Uh, some of our classrooms don't. So yeah, it it kind of depends where you are in the layout of the school, really. So it's it's an interesting project, kind of. Our plan is that this year each and every classroom will be trauma informed. That's what we want to be. We want to be the first kind of trauma informed mainstream school in the UK that's got therapeutic classrooms in every room. So, but obviously that's a, a big undertaking. So we're just at, at the very start. We've done our year six classroom, our year five and year four are booked in to do an October half term. We're just doing the designs now with the children. Um, year three and two have been done in spring and then um year one and early years are being done next summer so it's it's kind of a rolling program really but we are very fortunate with our outdoor space which is is really really lucky i know and um but again i kind of a few years ago it's almost like the blinkers came off and when i was a new head and certainly when i was a, a class teacher 
if you needed something for your playground, I would just go to the catalogues and open up the catalogues and think, all oh, right, I need a trim trail or I need playground markings or I need a wooden, you know, structure like a, a, a gazebo. But I worked with um, Sean Cray, who is, uh, he runs eight space um, playgrounds. And I worked with him. He's actually was a designer for the playground at Chester Zoo and it's very much his designs just work with nature and they work with the land and you don't need like you know the standard playground markings you don't need the the trim tails the manufactured stuff actually just working with the land and nature so he works with rocks and boulders and tree trunks and you know we've created a beautiful forest school by just working with with our land and, and digging out we've got a big moat so he dug out the moat and all the kind of soil and, and hardcore that he dug out of the moat has created a, a big mound and we've just planted thousands of wildflowers and willow dens and willow structures and actually the natural structures are much more sustainable much more uh, environmentally friendly and the children respond really well to nature Oh, it, it does you know you have you have sold me on it if, if I was in the area my kids would be coming along to, to uh. the next open evening now we, we have to pop for a little ad break but when we come back we'll, we'll get into a little bit more of the nitty-gritty about kind of how you've achieved it the really deep reasons behind it um so it should be only a couple of minutes um if you're okay um did you see how to mute yourself there Claire um, I will, yeah, I'll, I'll work it out. Thanks. That's all right. There should be just a little button. Um, and uh, and we will see you just on the other side of these ads. Brilliant. Thank you. Hi, I'm Charlie Burley, the Teacher's Health Coach. And I want to talk to you about the first ever health and wellbeing event for educators, Rewriting Wellbeing. It's a full day dedicated to improving your health as a teacher through looking at your nutrition, movement, mindset, workload and wellbeing in school. You'll hear from our incredible lineup of speakers, including Andrew Cowley, Jen Foster, Kimberly Wilson, Simon Bolger, and many more. There'll be talks, workshops, and time to network with like-minded colleagues. We'll look after you all day with brunch, lunch, and all the refreshments. You'll get to meet our incredible speakers and our amazing team of ambassadors from the education space. It's a non-profit event with all proceeds going to the amazing education charity, EdSupport. This isn't one to miss. I look forward to seeing you there on the 22nd of October at Etc Venues St Paul's in London. You can search Rewriting Wellbeing on the Eventbrite website to find out more. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. 
Welcome to Swansea and the Twilight Show on Teachers Talk Radio with me, Nathan Ginn. And I am joined tonight by head teacher Dr. Claire Campbell. We've been talking about redesigning her school spaces to be trauma informed. Uh, we, we spent a little bit of time getting to know each other and her school at the start of the show. But if you have missed that, do not worry because you can find all of our shows on Spotify, on iTunes, on uh, Amazon. Um, you can even ask your Amazon uh, speaker, or I guess this would work with any uh, smart speaker, to say, play, you know, uh, Siri, Am- uh, whatever it is that you're calling it, uh, play Teachers Talk Radio, and it will play the most recent episode. Or you can go to our um, website at ttradio.org, and you can find the Listen Back page where you can type in anything into the search bar, for example, trauma, and it will pull up all the shows with a link to that topic. Now, Welcome back, Claire. Hi, nice to be back. <laughs> hey, welcome back. Um, now, we were talking a little bit about some of the things you've done. Um, and the, the, the feeling I get, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, you, you, there is some a, a lot of care that you have put into how your school um, looks, how it's designed the outdoor areas. It, it seems like there is, um, you know, you thought about it a lot as opposed to just taking the space. Is that something personal to you? Why is the sort of the design of the school so important? Ah, oh, yeah, I suppose it is. It's like it is a labour of love. You know, it's it's where I go to work every day. It's where all my children go to school every day, and you just want it to be the absolute best place it can be inside and out. And like I say, we're really blessed with the nature. We're we're blessed with with our outdoor space and. You know, I'm all about <laughs> the environment and teaching the children about tech caring for the environment because, you know, they're going to grow up to be the consumers of the future. So it's really important that they recognise their impact on the planet and how the small things that they do can make a big difference. So, yeah, we I have a love of, of nature myself and I love planting trees. So each year with the children at school I've planted trees and now I've been there 10 years now so the, the we've my, in my first year we planted an orchard like a, a fruit orchard just outside the year five and six classrooms and now that like those trees are massive they're really tall and we grow all sorts of different kinds of fruit and so every year we work with the Woodland Trust we've also worked with City of Trees and uh, we were actually on BBC Spring Watch for doing some planting with the children so every single child in my school has had an experience of planting a tree and then that is going to be their legacy for years and years to come so our forest school just keeps getting better and better every year that the trees grow. And do you see that as being sort of part of the trauma-informed approach that you're taking, that sort of connection with nature? Yeah, absolutely, because we know that being outdoors is really good for our mental health. We know that physical activity is really good for our mental health. So for our children who were cooped up all that time during lockdown and they couldn't go out or they could just kind of go for one walk a day with their family, it's, it's massive. You know, we we have children who now prefer to be on devices than actually go and play outdoors. And I want to give them every opportunity to be outside and enjoy nature and explore nature. So our 
we have a Laudato C, that's the Pope's encyclical about the environment. Uh, we have an eco team, the, our Laudato C eco team, and the work that they do on caring for the planet, caring for the environment, caring for each other, uh, and our making our school environment and our community as beautiful as it can be. It's, it's really important work. You know, litter picking, just even something as simple as litter picking, but not just only our school grounds, but actually around our local area so the streets around our local school it just makes it a nicer place for everybody because we know the damage that litter can do to to our environment you know we we see what happens when litter gets into our, our waters and our seas and and we see the damage that it causes to nature so children need to be learn how to be responsible for that and how to how to help it's really it's about kindness really i guess yeah, no, you know, I, I can relate to that. I find it's, you know, it's rewarding. I don't know. I've recently started myself. I saw a sign. I live near the beach. I'm always at the beach. But, I, you know, I saw a sign saying two-minute litter pick on, on the beach. And, you know, I, I've started doing that. And I don't know, some sort of pleasure receptors are going off in my head yeah, that I feel I'm, I'm doing something good. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. taking ownership of it. I don't know. Yeah, one of the kindest things you can do is is to do something for somebody else with absolutely no expectation of return. You know, being altruistic and teaching our children to be altruistic, it's 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 a great thing. You know, it's not just about formal education and, and maths, English standards, standards all the time. It's it's about how teaching them how to be good humans and how to be good citizens. And um, yeah, it starts young. So <laughs> um, now I want you to take us back inside and and okay. into a classroom and i'm i'm going to describe you know you can you can maybe and this is the, uh, the unfortunate side of radio is that, that you know it's <laughs> just us painting a picture with our words um but you know i i'm going to describe my my classroom back when i was a primary school teacher you know sort of at a, you know, a while ago now I won't, I won't give exact numbers um but i am in a you know i am in a, a 60s build flat roof uh one level building and i've come into my classroom and my classroom has you know maybe six display boards and uh, obviously a project you know a, a projector interactive whiteboard at the front and i have very much tables all the same size some chairs and and this is what most primary teachers i think would probably recognize you know the odd one chair that's the wrong color that frustrates everyone <laughs> um and i have those low draw units probably about six or seven or eight of those um, mm -hmm. around the outside and and that would be my classroom yeah um, now totally what normal. is the change and what is the steps that, that, that you are taking you know if we can really get into the the kind of nitty-gritty because I think people maybe won't recognize quite mm. how you know it's it's all I'm saying it's quite an extreme change it is extreme yeah, yeah it's extreme and some people won't don't get it but that's that's okay I'm here to change I'm here so to change the world one classroom yeah. at a time so it's not just a matter of me you know having some hessian backing instead no, like, what, no. what am I going to be doing to my classroom then what would you be saying to me basically well what what we did was we worked with Shahana. So Shahana Knight is the director at TPC Therapy, and she's the expert. She is the absolute expert. So she um, is a play therapist by trade. She's um, director of mental health service as well. So she she works with children in care. She works at, looked after children children with with severe special needs, and so she kind of helped us with our purchases for furniture. So. 
we the first thing we do is absolutely gut the classroom take every stick of furniture out <laughs> every stick of furniture just empty it wow. and all the things that you think you need like tray beds filing cabinets those little you know uniform tables that are the same size for everybody uniform plastic chairs those uncomfortable plastic chairs that we've had for years in our school it's time to change them it's time to get rid of them and um because i really care about sustainability and the environment we work with a charity called um few furniture education worldwide and they're a burnley based charity so none of our furniture goes to landfill it all is recycled and few um send containers out shipping containers out to um the gambia to ethiopia to schools so we have linked schools uh, in developing countries and they've set up school they've built their own schools they've set up schools and it's really lovely to like get photographs of our our furniture in a classroom that's you know thousands of miles away so hi um so can you uh, still hear me yep sorry i was just we, we've got another caller joining us so i was just oh it might be shahana <laughs> i told her to just, call in we'll just give her a couple of seconds uh to connect to see if we've got that that call in sometimes it takes me uh, a minute or two for those to come through um so you've you've taken everything out every stick of furniture out and you've taken everything off the walls and it is you are starting with a blank canvas so all our um classrooms are painted white so we have um, like no colour on the walls, they're really bare. Um, and then you start to introduce different types of seating. So we have like round bistro style tables. We have um, high stools and high tables that are, so you've got um, kind of different levels that the children are sitting at. Um, we have big large dining tables that can see eight children and all the chairs are really tactile so they're all padded they're all fabric um, and actually the cost is really it's really comparable with the kind of durable uncomfortable plastic furniture that we're used to seeing um, and yeah. we'd also have a low seating area we'd have um, floor cushions and um, bookshelves but it's about you know curating what is on your bookshelf so not having those tatty books having high quality books that the children are really going to enjoy and you know weeding out all the all the things that are not nice you know not nice to look at we'd have lamps and and low lighting and not just those harsh kind of strip lights overhead so it's about completely redesigning your idea of what a classroom looks like Wow. Um, now, I think Shahana has joined us. Is Yay. That, Shah, Shahana, are you there? I think so. Yeah, you are. Hi, yeah, we, yeah, we can hear you. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, um, guys. Hi, that's all right. If you could be uh, just a, maybe a touch closer to the microphone, if you can. I actually don't know where the microphone actually is, to be honest. That's I think I'm... <laughs> that, that, Whatever you're doing now is wonderful. So Okay, is, great. Don't move. That's what I'd say. <laughs> now we, we've talked about you a little bit in your, in, you know, in, in in the first part of the show. But do you want to introduce yourself for us? Yeah. Um. So I'm Shahana Knight. I am the director of a mental health service called TPC Therapy, and I am a childhood trauma specialist. So I do lots of different things. Um. 
mainly training for schools and foster agencies and charities around mental health and trauma-informed approaches. And I do a lot of work in education. So part of that is helping to transform a whole school approach to um, really transform really what school should be, including environments and classrooms. And um, this year, well, November just gone, I transformed a classroom for one of the schools that was going through our um, award and asked, could I get my hands on it and completely transform it? He said yes. And the rest is history, really. It's kind of taken off. Oh, fantastic. Now, um, can you tell us, uh, you know, this is a question we were kind of talking a little bit about earlier. Why uh, do you think that the classroom space or the design of that classroom environment is important? Oh, it's it's so important. I think the, the biggest thing is we have so many children coming into school now who are struggling with things externally. You know, they, that might be trauma. It might be abuse, loss, domestic violence, but it might be things like struggling with large families or not really um, having a lot of income in the family. So struggling in terms of, you know, having food on the table. It might be not knowing when bedtime is and things are really chaotic because parents work all the time or, you know, there's so many scenarios. And when our children come into our school environments, our traditional classroom doesn't meet their needs. It's very bright. It's overwhelming. There's so many things going on in that room, you know, backboards with clashing colours, um, things hanging all over the spaces, like washing lines and bits and bobs stuck around and laminated sheets. And actually, that's creating an environment where children not only can't learn and feel overwhelmed and anxious because of the space but also don't feel emotionally safe and I think alongside that practically a lot of the things in our classrooms don't work you know I have spoken to hundreds of children and those plastic chairs that we've had since I was at school and before that so I'd pegged 50 years you know are still the same and they're uncomfortable and you know they cause children to swing on their chairs or fidget or sit on their knees and then they get told off for it so they're not designed with the children's mental health and well-being at the core of the room and it re really they should be and um, and i guess you know we were talking a little bit about those those changes that have uh, have been made and you know i have had a look at some of the, the classrooms you've shared as well um can you sort of describe for us then you know if it's not the classroom that you know i trained to teach in it's not mm -hmm. the classroom maybe people remember or envision what how would you describe a classroom that as you would like it to see like to see it so when you have a classroom space, your children are coming in every day to a room that should feel emotionally secure. And by that, I mean that when they come in, they feel calm, they feel safe, and the room and the design actually helps to calm their brain down. So if they are anxious, or for some of our children who've experienced trauma, they might have such high stress levels that their brain's actually functioning in something called survival mode. So they're very, very likely to go into fights like freeze. So get quite angry quickly, run out the room if it's overwhelming, um, avoid things because it's tricky. And what we want to do is to create a room where actually just by its design, it's encompassing this idea that actually we can calm that brain down and we can get children out of survival brain into their rational thinking brain which is where we want them to be when they're ready to learn so the room should do that and there's a number of things and Claire I just jumped in at the very end of you speaking and some of those things that Claire said that's the point of them so soft lighting 
let's turn off the strobe lights because the strobe lights are overwhelmingly bright. They can create dots in front of your eyes and actually they're not conducive to an environment that feels cozy and safe. So if we include lamps, if we include lanterns and candles, fake ones and fairy lights and turn them on, suddenly you've got a mood that instantly calms the children down. Even in classrooms that don't do the full therapeutic classroom, they just add softer lighting. Similarly, let's get stuff off the boards. Let's take the boards down and be brave enough to say, well, actually, is this backboard purposeful? You know, can the children see it? Is it helpful to have maths up for, you know, however long? And, and actually, is that more um, helpful for them? Or is it causing them to feel more stressed? And actually, when I sit down and speak to children, they do feel more stressed. So I want to see soft seating. I want to see dining tables you see in a living room, I want to see soft lighting, I want to see plants, I want to see frames of the children on the wall so they feel like they belong and so every part of the therapeutic room is designed around the needs of the children but it is very much a complete, completely different vision to the standard classroom we see and that comes with a little bit of resistance sometimes when I'm like right let's take backboards down, let's get rid of these plastic chairs. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll ask this sort of specifically to you, Shahana, because, you know, you're, you're talking about the design there. Do Is there a consideration as you're sort of, you know, talking about those things, about the, the pedagogy, the teaching strategies that people would use in these spaces? Because obviously, you know, what we would call chalk and talk, as it was at one point mm -hmm. when you're stood at, you know, stood at the front and you're delivering, that's a kind yeah. of mass, mass delivery system, you know, like that, that, that's our education system. Do you talk to people about how that may need to change does it need to change I think there's two things there I think you know there's elements of the day where you need to teach the children and stand at a board and show them things I think but there also needs to be space within the room where the children can move around and for it to be a dynamic space that flows you know so if you're doing something on the board can the children sit on the floor but not just all in rows like we see with on dots. I mean, can they lie on the floor on cushions? You know, can they be on the sofa at the back of the room? Can they be comfortably relaxed on something, you know, an armchair? If that's the case, then that's great. I think it's about tweaking and changing. And it's not necessarily about how we deliver the teaching itself. I think it's more about the fact that the room needs to allow us to just be more mobile. So if a, children, a child is uncomfortable, they can get up and move to another seat if they wanted to, you know, maybe not in a lesson because we don't want kids moving about in a lesson. But after that lesson, they might say, can I actually go and sit over here because I'd feel more comfortable or I need to lie on the floor? Fine, as long as they're engaged in their learning. So I think it's about being more flexible with our idea of what teaching is. And actually, physically, teachers have said to me, well, you know what? When I'm teaching at the front, the kids are so much more engaged. If they lay on the floor or whatever, it's great because they're listening. And then when they're moving around the space, the tables are higher, so the teachers aren't crouching down. They're not struggling to fit around a, a tiny table. And it just flows and feels far more inclusive for everyone, including the teacher. Um, now, um, Claire, I wanted to go back to you for a second, just because, you know, you're, you're, you're a school leader. Times are tightening for a number of different <laughs> reasons for schools. It, it feels like what we're talking about is a like a significant kind of capital investment. Um, is it as... Is it as much as, you know, the panic buttons going off in my head are, you know, was, <laughs> yeah. was, this, a, you know, was this an expensive change or, um, you know, was it not as much as I might think or people might think? 
No, honestly, we were able to kit out our whole year six classroom for £2,500. And wow. it's really, the cost of the furniture is really comparable with educational furniture. So if you were prepared, you know, changing tables like for like or chairs like for like, the plastic chairs, it's kind of the price that you would pay anyway. So, but actually, what I've had to do, so I, I go to other schools and I deliver training and and I have generated this money for my school. It wasn't in school budget. Um, and, you know, we just we complete bids all the time and we, but I've never, in all the kind of years that I've been doing projects for the school, I've never let money stop me from uh, kind of completing my vision of the money. You always find the money somewhere. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I imagine there, 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 there may be people who are, um, you know, who, who aren't in purchasing at schools or maybe aren't senior leaders, middle leaders. But I've, I've, I've pulled up from a, a well-known manufacturer. I won't name them uh, just to shame them. But for, for one of those tra- low tray units that we've sort of been discussing, um, people might not realise you're talking over £300 yeah, for a, yeah. a unit yeah. of about, uh, you know, 18 trays. Yeah. And, and, and suddenly to replace one of those, people might start thinking there's another way, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you don't need yeah. them. You absolutely don't need them in your classrooms. They're a waste of time and a waste of space. And once you've cleared your classroom out and you see all the furniture that isn't necessary and isn't really for the children, you actually create all this this flow, this space. And mm-hmm. so it is easy for the children to get around. And certainly for like wheelchair users, yeah. it gives you so much more carpet space. Um, and uh the other thing that I guess, and this is my, you know, governor's head on is, you know, I, I, I want to see impact with spending money. I want to see yeah. impact. Do, do you, are you measuring that in some way? How, how do we see sort of yes. the, the benefit? So obviously like we collect qualitative data and quantitative data all the time in schools and, but things like I, they might be softer to measure, but for our children who have got severe autism, they're having less meltdowns, they're having less crisis times. And actually that has a major impact on that child. So it might be that it's impacting a lot on your special needs children or it's impacting a lot on your children who've experienced trauma. And you might not get that quantitative data, but you've certainly got a lot of qualitative data and actually quality of life for them is, is a lot better in school. And school is a lot of much calmer for them. Can I just add to that as well? Yeah. Um, so we've been doing like um, assessments before and after every makeover and every room change. So we've actually, we're collating data at the moment where it's, you know, people's assessments and scores, both in, like Claire said, qualitative and quantitative. So we can see the difference in what the children say about their room and also how they score themselves. And the same with teachers. And I think once you see the children in the room, Claire, like, you can just see the difference in the children, can't you? And you yeah. can see the difference in the space. It's even just standing in the room without children, everyone's like, oh my God, I can un- I understand it now, I get it. This is going to make a massive difference. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to switch across to, you know, Shahana first on this one, um, which is about the age limit, I guess, on this or the, the appropriateness. Because I think there will be people listening, particularly, you know, primary school teachers who are thinking, yeah, I can see this, you know, I can imagine this in my year R classroom, my year one classroom, maybe secondary school teachers thinking, oh, you know, that's very, a very primary way of doing it. What, what would you say about that? Is there a, a, a line 
between this approach or is there an age limit? Oh, that's such an interesting question and and also interested in your your take on it actually so no <laughs> there isn't <laughs> however <laughs> um so it's funny that you have sort of said that maybe for the lower years and primary schools it would be more like people would assume it'd be more relevant or fit and actually our first room is a year three room we've done year three four five and six now mm. um and it's all adult furniture. So obviously you choose the style of furniture based on the children. So there were certain bar stools I would choose for year six that wouldn't be appropriate for year three because they'd be a little bit too small. And, you know, you, you get to know the furniture. Um, and it would run all the way through high schools perfectly because, again, it's just like setting up a living room or a dining room or a bistro or a cafe. It's kind of a blend of all of those. Actually, where the the challenges for me, if I'm very honest, is the lower years. So we're going to be doing all of Claire's school. You know, Claire wants to be the first school that has every classroom done. And that's so exciting. And actually, it's looking now at, well, we can't put an adult-sized armchair, or, well, an adult-sized dining chair in a year one room. So now it's looking at how we can make that appropriate. I get how I'm going to do it for nursery and reception because it's more free flow. But one in year two that's the one that I've just I've still yet to figure that out so I'll let you know when I've got the answer there but it generally it runs all the way through the year groups it's just the chairs and table sizes for those year one and year twos that I need to figure out yeah, yeah. you know the, the the thing that I've really taken away from this conversation and I, it, it's happened to me even today and you know I work in a, a very small uh, social emotional mental health unit as part of secondary and so I'm very I'm very lucky in that sense but where I'm maybe not as lucky I mean it's a beautiful new build but hmm. my children love just turning off the strip lighting and it's yes. all they want to do they will yeah. you know whenever possible we will have the strip lighting will be off and yeah. and throughout whole lessons we'll just leave it off and that is one of the things that I think you know yeah I, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna reflect on that and think why you know what is it and why is it and what need are we trying to meet by having it off yeah, get some lamps, get some lamps, get some soft lights. Fairy it will light. make all the difference. Get some fairy lights, whatever you can afford. It will make a massive difference because that's them communicating with you and saying, this is not working for me and I can't have this in this environment. And we've got to listen. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I think that I, I find it really interesting because obviously, as I say, I'm I'm very lucky that I can listen. I'm, you know, I'm paid to have time to listen and and, mm -hmm. and, and time and space and, and resources to be able to do that. But it must be incredibly hard for um, teachers or even middle leaders, you know, or, or mm. possibly head teachers, you know, kind of fighting through budgets and things. So what I want to do is we're going to pop to the news. It will be six minutes. And then when we come back, I'd, I'd really like it if you guys could give us sort of some of those things to look out for, you know, sort of uh, tripping points for people when if they're, if they're going to try and do something like this and, and some of those top tips as well. Would that be okay? Yeah, that'd be great lovely stuff now i do need to ask both of you to to mute if you can just so they don't hear us having our cups of tea and and such <laughs> like while the news is going on and if you are listening now we'll see you just on the other side of this short break hi i'm charlie burley the teacher's health coach and i want to talk to you about the first ever health and well-being event for educators rewriting well-being it's a full day dedicated to improving your health as a teacher through looking at your nutrition, movement, mindset, workload and well-being in school. You'll hear from our incredible lineup of speakers including Andrew Cowley, Jen Foster, Kimberly Wilson, Simon Bolger and many more. There'll be talks, workshops and time to network with like-minded colleagues. 
We'll look after you all day with brunch, lunch and all the refreshments. You'll get to meet our incredible speakers and our amazing team of ambassadors from the education space. It's a non-profit event with all proceeds going to the amazing education charity EdSupport. This isn't one to miss. I look forward to seeing you there on the 22nd of October at Etc Venues St Paul's in London. You can search Rewriting Wellbeing on the Eventbrite website to find out more. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. Following the death of Queen Elizabeth II, the Department for Education has issued guidance for schools. The period of national mourning will continue until the state funeral, but the guidance makes it clear that schools should remain open during this time. Ofsted reports are paused, but inspections will go ahead. The update suggests that schools may want to consider conducting special activities, holding assemblies or adapting lessons to commemorate the life of Her Majesty. Whilst no official date has yet been set for the state funeral, many media outlets are suggesting Monday, September the 19th as a possible date. There is also speculation around whether the state funeral proceedings would be classed as a public holiday, something which would affect schools opening. Schools and other education settings across all four of the home nations have been involved in many events recognising the late Queen's 70 years of service to the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth with many media outlets carrying details of how her passing has been acknowledged by young people across all areas. England's Secretary of State for Education, Kit Malthouse, acknowledged Her Majesty's devotion to public service. Northern Ireland's Michelle McKilveen referred to Her Majesty as a champion of education and an impeccable role model for children and young people, and someone who will be missed immeasurably. The last public appearance of the Queen was on Tuesday the 6th of September when she appointed Liz Truss as Prime Minister. The new Prime Minister made cabinet announcements including the appointment of Kit Malthouse as Secretary of State for Education. Mr Malthouse replaces James Cleverley in a year that has seen many ministers take up and then leave the role. Mr Malthouse was first elected in 2015 and is the MP for North West Hampshire. His previous experience has been with the Home Office and the Ministry of Justice. He studied politics and economics at Newcastle University and is a qualified chartered accountant. Mr Malthouse is married and has three children. After a year of turmoil, Mr Malthouse is likely to need to promote stability as quickly as possible within his department, while also taking steps to address the school funding crisis and issues brought about by further concerns around the cost of living. This has been Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week, if you haven't already gone, it's time to return to school. So, what tech advice do I have for you? This episode is aimed more at teachers newer to the profession, but there may also be something for those with more experience here too. 
Here are my top tips for returning to or starting a new school. First up, put your name on your power lead, especially if your school uses the same laptops for lots of teachers. It's so easy to leave your power lead behind and then find it's been taken by someone thinking it's theirs. When moving between rooms, always close your laptop lid and remove power leads and USB drives. This can be a pain, but impact on a USB drive sticking out while in transit can stop the port working. Same goes for a power port. Modern computers are incredibly tricky to fix if these ports are damaged, and therefore, that will be the end of your laptop. If you're using USB drives, start moving into the cloud. If your school hasn't already banned them, they will be considering it due to the increased risk of viruses posed by using them. Always start your information management system as soon as you arrive. This is the software you take your register on. Don't leave it until it's time to take the register. This software updates regularly and can sometimes take a while, especially after a break when technicians have had the time to maintain your school system. Finally, one of my favourite shortcuts. If you don't know this, feel free to let me know I've changed your life. If you organise your internet bookmarks into folders, you can right-click on the folder and select Open All. This will open all of the web pages you'll be using in a lesson, saving you time and also making sure everything is loaded and ready to go. If this has given you food for thought, I'd love to hear from you. As we return to work, why not get in touch at TT Radio 2022, follow us and tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods. And that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Live from Swansea, this is The Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Borodar Palp, Kroisoi Abatawi. Hello everyone, welcome to Swansea. Welcome to the Twilight Show with me, Nathan Ginn, on Teachers Talk Radio. Now we're joined by head teacher Dr. Claire Campbell, who's redesigning her school spaces to be trauma-informed, and Shahana Knight of TPC Therapy, creator of the Therapeutic Classrooms Approach. We've been talking trauma-informed classroom design, what's staying in the room, what's going in the skip, and what best supports our vulnerable learners. Now, um, Claire, are you back with us? Yes, I'm back with you. Superb. And Shahana still here? I am indeed. Perfect. Um, so, um, you know, we have been talking, I should say for any listeners who've joined us a little bit late, you know, go back, listen to the start of this journey, because, you know, there have been some amazing things that, that Claire and Shahana have, have both shared already. And you can find that on uh, ttradio.org slash listen back and you'll find it there or you'll find it on iTunes, you'll find it on Spotify, Amazon, all of those things. But that's where we started. And we started talking about um, some of the reasons behind and really describing what a therapeutic or a trauma-informed classroom would look like, might look like. Now, the bit I wanted to get onto, because there will be people listening, they've been inspired, they're wanting to roll into school tomorrow. Um, but if we start off, and we, we'll start off with the the, the negative side, so we, so we can end on a positive in a little bit later on, but what are the possible things that might trip people up? What, what barriers and pitfalls are we going to run into? So if we start with Claire, and then we'll, we'll go to Shahana afterwards. Yeah, I think the, the hardest thing and the hardest thing for me to get my head around was that the lack of display, the lack of classroom mm. display. And actually, um, now that we have these bare classrooms that are, you know, 
that have got like carefully curated artwork on the wall that is by the children and it's beautiful artwork um it makes so much sense and it's so much more striking like i said we're a catholic school so we have altars in each classroom and actually the altar is now like the main focal point whereas before it was kind of lost in the noise you know like seven different cupboards backboards all different colors and your altar would just get lost whereas now it's like the main main focus and it, it's beautiful so my friend um who is she's a year five teacher um i was chatting to her about this approach and she's obviously been to visit my my classroom and she'd seen it for herself so she's in her classroom she's kind of taken this approach and she's just done a display about the romans because that's her subject and actually that display is popping off the wall because it's the mm-hmm. only display and it looks great you know she's she's borrowed a load of like you know roman costumes and shields and whatever but actually that's what you want the children to focus on it's like this is what this is what we're doing rather than it get lost in the background noise of like a million laminated shapes Mm. and and colors and and words so yeah it's that that's probably the hardest thing to get your head around the hardest thing to get and i yeah are you and teachers did they you know did you have any recall from that are you finding anyone sort of secretly sticking up a couple of uh, <laughs> laminated words on the wall or something how have teachers taken to that no they're loving it because it's just reduced their workload by a mile so yeah they're loving yeah. it <laughs> um, and, and shahana what 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 things might people sort of stumble on when they're doing this uh, i guess the the furniture you know is interests me because that must take you know is it really that you know any chairs will work like any no. you know like no no <laughs> don't please don't buy any chairs yeah. um, no it is all really purposeful and it's funny you say that because i know this is a bit of an aside but it because it is so rooted in trauma-informed practice and because there is a, a reason for everything we choose for the rooms we have to be really careful because obviously i want to inspire as many people as possible to do this in fact i hope that this becomes the new way that we approach school classrooms across the whole of the uk but how we do it is so important and it is really important to not run out there and be like i'm so excited and just buy any chairs because actually how they look how they feel the size of them the way that they're covered everything it all counts so yeah i think we need to be really careful with what we choose so um you know i i I guess there is a risk you know that we take everything out and then we reclutter possibly with with other Mm -hmm. stuff yeah there is and i think that's why it's important to you know be aware of the approach know why you're doing it understand the theory behind it i mean this isn't just about lovely beautiful classrooms and changing the furniture it's about meeting the emotional needs of our children and understanding a little bit about the background of where trauma comes from what are some of the triggers the children have you know if you're looking at children with an insecure attachment where their relationships are the thing they're struggling with that bleeds and affects into the school environment and we've got to understand that to understand why we're not having backboards why we're not having you know so why the chairs aren't hard because you could go out and buy hard dining table chairs and they still wouldn't be right so we do have to be super careful and remember that there's there's a whole approach here and it is about you know the comfortability but i know i can almost guess the next question and i just want to say that doesn't mean you don't do it you know if you 
if you are excited and you do want to do it, try and go out and buy upholstered furniture that feels comfortable and that is something you would find around a dining table in a home where, you know, it feels cosy and it feels warm and it feels secure. And if you keep that as your centre point, that'll guide you in the right direction. Um, and Claire, you know, um, what do your um, school cleaners think, I guess is the easiest <laughs> way to ask. Because, you know, classroom question. furniture <laughs> is designed, you know, it's wipe clean, it's, you know, all, it's all easy. You know, how have they taken to it? Is it harder to look after? No, it's not hard to look after at all because, and actually the children look after it better. You know, they're yeah. not writing on the tables they're certainly not writing on the chairs they're not um you know they're not swinging on the chairs they and because we got rid of a lot of unnecessary furniture you know all those tray beds that was a lot of extra surfaces to wipe a lot of extra dusting to do so mm. actually we've reduced the amount of furniture in the room so it's it's actually made life easier and for the cleaners to be able to get round you know with their hoover and whatever it was cluttered before whereas now it's open and spacious and it's amazing how just having those kind of narrow bars you know that high bar stools and the narrower desks like the window desks the high the high bar um desks that creates a lot of extra floor space mm. and you know you've not got kind of 15 tables and 30 chairs all facing the same direction it's not like that it's more like a cafe or a bistro where you have like round tables and dining tables and you, you know there's there's a better flow in the room so it, yeah it's the, the cleaners have actually found it easier as well <laughs> um and I wonder go sorry go on I was gonna say I would say though like we do need to be a bit realistic they are upholstered furniture chairs so you know a bit of a warm cloth and a wipe down most things will come out but you wouldn't want to do a full-on art session with the children sat on those chairs you know it's, it is about being a little bit careful and a little bit purposeful about how we use them I think as well but generally they are so easy to wipe down and so easy to clean and and I was going to ask Shahan, and I'll, I'll ask this to you first, and then we, we, we maybe hear some specifics from Claire. But we, we've talked about the children who, you know, you, you, we're hearing, you know, it, it's it's working for them, and the, and the staff have bought to it as well, and and, and the cleaners, of, of course. Um, <laughs> what about feedback from parents? Because this is going to be something very strange to them. It's certainly not yeah. maybe what their schools were like. What what are parents saying about these kind of approaches when you hear back? I love this question. So I was very lucky enough to um, do a school recently who invited a parent in and it was a blind reveal. So they, we blind revealed it to the children and all of their faces and expressions were just amazing. I always cry. And then we did it to um, the teachers and that was amazing. And then the parents and their response was, just as excited and just as enthusiastic and as invested even without understanding why they could just see straight away this space is so much better for my child and you know one of the parents was saying to me my child's needs I can see are now met in this space and you know the things before the overwhelming room and stuff now she's going to be able to concentrate more she's going to be able to listen she's going to feel comfortable and um the the feedback from parents you know once the children have been in for like a week or whatever and they've been able to see the space and see the children children's reactions in the space have said themselves that they wish 
they wish that every classroom could be like that and that their child's every classroom for their child could be the same and we've actually had prospective parents go around schools stand in our therapeutic classrooms which at the minute generally are only one room in a school because we've not built that out yet it takes time and they've just said this is amazing like this is this is the future of education this is what we need to be doing I want my child to come to your school because they're in this room that is forward thinking and has their child at the centre of it. And that's what you want as a parent. And Claire, have you had much feedback from parents? Yeah, I mean, our parents are massive champions for their children. So they just want their children to be happy. So if their children are going home saying, you know, relaying how much better it is and how excited they are and certainly the children who are involved in the design of the classroom you know they they're buzzing about it so that Mm -hmm. that enthusiasm passes on to the parents so I've just had really positive feedback and really positive comments so yeah it's lovely now I haven't had chance to really sort of think this through because I'm I'm trying to work it out in my head but Claire you've done a a couple of classrooms have you had any children go from a trauma-informed classroom back into what would have been sort of that older design of classroom no it's because we've what we've done is we've started with year six so we're cascading it down so that's that's not happened yet but um yeah we did when we posted about it on Twitter and we we shared the video and the transformation we had really really lovely comments really positive comments but one comment um asked you know like well said you know is do you think that you're preparing these children for high school and my argument is well of course we are but actually it's not the furniture that prepares children for high school it's the teacher and nothing has changed the teachers are still delivering the curriculum the teachers are still delivering everything that they used to deliver but it's just with what we're doing is giving the children the choices back about where they want to sit and who they want to sit with and how they want to learn and that is creating more independent learners who will be able to adapt better at high school when they have all the changes that high school brings yeah you know and and uh, have you are your secondary school aware of what your year six sort of classroom is like yes yeah the head teacher came the other day to do um like a talk to the year sixes about the parents evening so he has seen a first hand um that's our high school so he's seen first hand our, our classroom and actually it's challenging him now to up his game (laughs) <laughs> because if our, if our 10 and 11 year olds can can cope with this and and you know what my staff we now we use that classroom all the time for staff meetings because we used to you know previously we'd be sitting on uncomfortable plastic chairs and it's like you know teachers would be grumbling sitting there on their those chairs for an hour for a staff meeting and actually we're expecting our children to sit like that all day every day mm. you know children get uncomfortable too <laughs> Now, I did promise sort of the listeners, and I don't want to shortchange them, that we do some sort of top tips and top bits of advice, um, you know, and we, uh, before the end. Now, I'll go to Shahana first. Now, if someone is, uh, you know, thinking about this, what are the things that you want sort of at the front of their mind, uh, you know, to, to if, if they're um, going to be considering this, they're going to go, go away from the listening to us, say, yeah, I'm really inspired by that. What are sort of some of the top things for them to be thinking about consideration wise or top tips? Yeah, absolutely. I think for everybody, if you can't change your furniture, there's still so many things that you can do. So lighting, turn off the strobe lights, 
get lamps, get fairy lights, get little lanterns with um, sort of fake lights that have batteries in them, anything you can find that will instantly calm the room, instantly help children feel more engaged and feel like the room is um, sort of a comfortable, warm, cozy environment and will help them learn. The other thing is strip back your backboards. So be brave. I would encourage you to not have them but if you can't do that which a lot of schools you know a lot of people listening in their school won't have heard it they might not be you know able to do a full room but just think about it maybe put wallpaper on your backboards instead like a wallpaper you'd find in a house not a really bright colorful one like a i don't know like a gray kind of one i don't know and then on that <laughs> do you know what i mean just a nice muted backboard that's with a wallpaper instead of bright colors clashing borders all of those sorts of things and keep it neutral, so greys, beiges, and then think about your laminated stuff. Do you need all of those vowels and sounds on the wall? You might think you do, but do the children use them? Do they look at them? Can you transfer that onto a laminated sheet or in a book? Lots of our teachers are taking what's on their boards and putting them on the iPads because the children use the iPads every day or in a learning book that they go and grab off their bookcase and then get when they need it. So does it have to be on the wall? So have a think about that. Try and create a colour scheme. If you do have um, name drawers, what are they called? If you have drawers, if you, have, if you do have to have backboards, marry it up. Decide on a theme. Can you have like a, a beigey, grey, kind of um, ivory green colour going on? Have some ivy on your backboards or some fairy lights on there, your wallpaper. Maybe put some positive quotes in frames on some of those backboards so it's not just work. Create a photo wall so you've got the children in the room. In all, like let's say you've got 30 children, have 30 frames all lined up on a wall instead of a backboard, make the pictures black and white so they're nice and muted, but the children can see themselves in their own space, they can feel like they belong there, creates a sense of togetherness and creates a sense of community and, and, and safety again in the room, those things are so powerful and get plants in there as well, that's the last thing I'd say, not real ones by any means because we'd, we'd just kill them all, but get some fake plants, Ikea is amazing, five pound a plant, pop them on the desks in the middle of the desk pop them on your windowsills it instantly makes a difference i have to say I, i'm a massive fan of fake i have had fake plants in my rooms or sometimes <laughs> real plants but mainly fake plants in my rooms ever since i've been a teacher and i i, I you know i don't know what it is i swear by them um, every time i see a, a fake a fake plastic plant on on offer in you know whether it be <laughs> the middle aisle of some of those supermarkets or wherever then I always pick it up because yeah, it, it does make a difference <laughs> now Claire any top tips from you I would say use real plants <laughs> and try not to kill them <laughs> because I'm all about bringing the outdoors indoors so um, yeah yeah I, I think Shahan has nailed it really I think it's it's about can you create soft furnishings, soft, soft spaces? You know, I know that reading is the absolute key to the rest of the curriculum. So make sure that your reading area is inviting. Your bookcases have, you know, beautiful books on that are going to invite children to, to pick them up. So get rid of those tatty books and the ones that from the 1960s, 1950s that, you know, are really out of date. Get, make sure the children can see themselves 
in the books they're reading, in the stories they're reading. So I want to see diversity. I want to see equality. I want to see lots of different families because, you know, it's not 2.4 children in a family with a mum and dad anymore in our schools. You know, we want to see books that have got two dads, two mums, what are single parents, looked after children, children raised by their grandparents. You know, you should we should have a variety of story and um yeah you, your book area is a real it should be a real refuge in your classroom every every classroom should have that sanctuary where children can just choose a book for pleasure and and become a lifelong reader and i wanted just to shine a light on something that you said earlier which was you know i I've said in my intros about you know what's going in the skip but you know you took a different approach and I thought that was really powerful you know about what you can do with with some of the furniture that you maybe don't use anymore was there a name of an organization you mentioned then yes please everybody jot this down um mm-hmm. it's called few few furniture education worldwide they're a burnley charity you can find them on facebook and um yeah they'll come and collect any kind of educational furniture that you no longer need and it goes to uh, places like the gambia ethiopia they've got links with schools they've set up their own schools and um yeah the the guys are great they'll send you photos of your furniture in you know having a new lease of life in a developing country so nothing is going to waste nothing is going to landfill and stop laminating teachers stop laminating (laughs) you're ruining the planet we don't need anything (laughs) laminated anymore Yeah, and you know, it will save you money. Those pouches are not cheap. I once totaled up when I was uh, working as a deputy head and, you know, we were talking about displays at the time. Uh, and I said, you know, people were doing amazing displays and they some of them really did have power. And, you know, I thought as features in certain parts of the school, amazing. But, you know, I said, you know, there's it's. £40 a roll and you've used two rolls and the backing paper is this and there's there's maybe like a £50 worth of laminating go on there. So there, there, there is a cost involved in, in everything, Massive. I think, you know. Yeah. Um, now, there will be people listening, you know, as I say, inspired. This is kind of the final part. Of, you know, we're, we're coming very close to the end of the show, but I want to give that kind of Dragon's Den pitch, you know, let's put some words in their mouth. So if someone is storming into their head teacher uh, tomorrow morning, maybe not storming, maybe just sort of casually rolling in to their head teacher to say, I'd like to do this. What sort of, you know, information, what sort of messages um, should they be trying to get across? We'll start with Shahana. What do you, you know, what am I going to say? You first show them a picture because that I think is the most powerful thing here. I've learned very quickly that the photograph of the room says a lot. So first show a picture of a room. You can find them on Twitter, Facebook, anywhere that me and Claire are. Um, and then I would say this will help all of the children with their emotional health and mental health and their well-being. And it's the future. It's something that's been outdated. Why are we making our children sit on plastic chairs when they're uncomfortable and they tell us they're uncomfortable? We need to start listening to their needs and stop telling them off when they don't fit what we think they should be doing. Um, And say, I want my room to feel calm. I want it to feel like a safe place for my children to come and work, where they can come every day and escape the world that they might live in out there. Say, some of these children don't have environments at home that do feel safe, that are nurturing, that are cosy and warm. We should be giving them that opportunity to experience that in school so that they've had that. And I really want to do that in my room. Powerful. 
you've sold me now um claire um what were the kind of things that would you know would persuade you as a head teacher obviously you're, you're already on the side of what what kind of things would you want to say i think you know it's 2022 we are the whole country is coming out of a very traumatic time and it's time that our schools respond to that things are things are very different in this you know with this abc time we've got austerity we've got brexit we've got covid and we need to respond to our children we need to listen to what they're saying to us and sometimes children's actions kind of speak for the the unspeakable so if our children have been through trauma and they don't know how to express it in in their language they're going to express it in their behavior and that's why we're getting school refusers that's why we're getting children in at crisis children having meltdowns their behavior speaks louder than words and it's time to calm our classrooms down yeah really you know a really powerful kind of message I think there and certainly you know I, I'm going to be taking this away and going into school kind of looking in my class with kind of fresh eyes I think mm -hmm. about you know what it is about the environment inside the room and, and that and also I think that welcoming bit as they come in as well I've really taken away you know actually when they come in to my building what is what is that like is it you know is it welcoming um so i find that really powerful now i do need to just give a shout out if you are listening live you're in the studio now um straight uh, after this show you can go on twitter on twitter spaces woody danan uh, is doing a show in the spaces there supporting new starters you'll be able to listen live if you're listening back to this as a podcast this will be uh, available on Amazon, on iTunes, on our website, ttradio.org slash back and Woody Show as well. You'll be able to find on Twitter for at least 30 days in the spaces on Twitter. So all of those things to look forward to and listen back to if you've only joined us at the end. Now, I should say, really, if you are joining us, I've been joined by Dr. Claire Campbell, um, who's been re redesigning her school spaces to be trauma-informed. And I've been joined by Shahana Knight of TPC Therapy, the creator of the Therapeutic Classrooms Approach. Um, thank you so much for joining us tonight, guys. Oh, thank oh, you. Oh no, it's been you know a real pleasure, um, and you know it, I, I, hopefully people have got something there that they can take away, really think about. Now, if they want to reach out to either of you, do you just want to uh, let them know sort of uh, your preferred sort of means of communication, or you can of course say please don't. But uh, Claire, <laughs> do you want to go first? If people are kind of want to look at some of those photos of your school, how can they find you? Sure. So you can find me at, at Claire Campbell Seven, and I'm on Twitter or um, my school is at St. Charles RC Pry 1. On Fantastic. And, and Shahana, uh, how can they get in touch? So mine's at Shahana underscore TPC, or they can go to the website, www.tpctherapy.co.uk to learn more and read every magazine article I've ever published about it and catch up. <laughs> fantastic i'll be heading straight over after this you know getting some more information and i do apologize to claire for my love of uh plastic plants it's it's not a nature thing it's uh it's a nurture thing i i lack the skills to to, to keep them alive I'm, unfortunately and i'm trying to bring that indoors out that outdoors indoors just in a way that actually survives um now it is time for us to go and i will say good night uh, i'm here in south wales so i do say nostar which is is good night and well in Welsh so um and no start to both of you and and good night
Good night. Oh, God good bless. Night. Thank you so much. Thank Bye. you so much for coming on. And as I say, listeners, if you are looking to find us, find us at TT Radio 2022 on Twitter, on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook and, of course, at our website, ttradio.org. Nostar, good night. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.